as of right now, it looks like we're green. So hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael and we're here tonight for another episode of Detention Live. Joining me as always is my co-host, Chris. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Back uh, again. Of course. And uh, joining us tonight as a special guest co-host is another Michael because we are Legion. So Mike, say hello to everyone. Tell us a little bit about who you are. We are Legion. My name is Michael Walsh. Um, I am a TTRPG hobby enthusiast since 1994 when I sunk my fangs into Vampire the Masquerade. I just turned 40, so doing a little bit of math, I've been doing this stuff for about 28 years. Yeah, you're pretty much in the same boat we are. It's, uh, I think I got you by a few years, but not many, and uh, not all of those have I been very active. Uh, but, you know, we don't think that necessarily experience is that important. It helps in some ways, but uh, I mean, whether it was day one or day four million, happy to have you on the show tonight and hang out and get to know you a little bit better. Happy to be here, brother. Yeah, so we're going to kick off the show as we always do with extracurricular, and this where we just talk about what we've been up to, anything we're excited about, movies we've been watching, TV shows, books, uh, you know, music, just whatever you're willing to share about your personal life with strangers on the internet. Um, so, Chris, I'll start with you. What you been up to, buddy? Uh, well, finally got done with my kid's graduation stuff. Okay. So he's finally heading to school, or, well, will be, a couple week, couple mm-hmm. months, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> it's been that kind of day. Yep. Um, lots of work, uh, very busy at work, new things growing. Uh, other than that, uh, just hanging on every episode of the boys right now, waiting for the next episode. It's good. That last one, last one. Yeah. Yeah. That was a doozy. Uh, do not bring the kids for that episode. Uh, really excited. Uh, somebody sent me the trailer for the new Willow show. Mm Mm-hmm. Watched it, uh, a lot. And that's because it was one of my favorite movies growing up. So I'm oh, really absolutely. excited to see. I, I want to see what they're going to do with the series. I, I, I'm hoping it's not like the Wheel of Time where everybody was really let down. I'm hoping, uh, hoping to enjoy it as much as the original movie. I uh, finished Obi-Wan. So mm-hmm. anybody that wants to talk for a lot about how fantastic that was, let me know. Because that truly captured you know, the essence of Star Wars to me. Um, and those that want to nitpick it, bring it on. I'll tell you why you're wrong, because <laughs> there's not a lot to nitpick. But that's a whole other conversation. So. Yeah, I said it with uh, Tom very briefly. I think emotionally it landed for me. So I kind of equate it to like a good RPG campaign. Like if the emotions mm-hmm. hit, I'll overlook some of the things I normally would nitpick. If the emotion doesn't hit, then I'll nitpick it to death. And I still have a few nitpicks. But I mean, I was blubbering during parts of that finale. So that those parts worked on me enough that the... The quibbles I have don't really bother me. Yeah, I've seen the little critiques. My favorite is, you know, he rips one starship apart, lets the other one fly away. Anakin did that all the time. He'd have these random acts of rage and then go, oops, I shouldn't have done that. And then realizes it right afterwards. You know, To me, a lot of it was Anakin doesn't really want to kill Obi-Wan. He just wants to beat him and have Obi-Wan say, you're better. Mm-hmm. That's really what that... Yeah. Anyways, I could rant again for a long time about it. So, of course, of course. What, but uh, that's pretty much all I've been doing. Okay. Um, so I'll go next. Um, I, I got a lot of stuff as always. I'm not going to go over all of it because that would be the entire hour and a half or so that we'll be here. Uh, Tom and I covered this, so it'll be on the next 
um, of our faculty meeting, which will actually come out tomorrow before this comes out. So unless you're listening now, but I got to play D and D with my original game group, the three guys I've talked about many times on the show, Brandon, Bill and Joe, we started playing, when we were on 12. None of them have played since college that I'm really aware of. I've played with Joe once recently. We talked about that, but Brandon has not played since college. Bill hasn't played since high school. And we had a camping weekend. We got out, we played some cornhole. We cooked some steaks on the grill. We just hung out and BSed and we played D and D and it was awesome. It was somewhat like just, you know, it just melted my heart to be able to run a game for them. They all had a great time. They were laughing. It's the same jokes, you know, stupid stuff we we said when we were 12. But it was absolutely a magical three hours for me. Highlight of my year so far. I'm getting ready for Gen Con. It's about a month and a week away. I'm very excited for that. I got a Catacon dice in. So I'm getting ramped up for a Catacon. And then just quickly, Action 12 Cinema. We are moving into Layout. Uh, I also ran a game for the fellows over at Tabletop Journeys. They bl- had a blast. They really liked it. So it's going to come out as an actual play on their uh, channel here over the next couple of weeks. I think it's going to roll out one episode a week. So I'm just, again, everything, I keep waiting for someone to tell me that it's not a game, but no one does. So until that happens, I'm going to assume that I've actually written something worth something and we're going to proceed. So, and that is just some of the things that have been going on with me recently, not including all the TV I've been watching, The Boys, Miss Marvel, um, Umbrella Academy came back out, Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 2 is about to hit. I'm watching so much TV, it's kind of uh, ridiculous. And I'm still in the middle of my Buffy rewatch. We're hit, we're almost midway of Season 4 right now. So, with all my nonsense out of the way, Michael, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to lately, buddy. Uh, way too much. Um, so, I'm in the process of starting my own channel with a group of extremely talented individuals. Uh, the channel is nice. going to be called Lanya gaming um we are scheduled to start right after gen con okay uh, and we are paired up with two individuals from the blank bodies podcast who are actually going to be at gen con hyping it all up so it's a whole process from not just recording the actual plays but doing everything on the administrative end and for the majority of us it's our first time even attempting any of this so it's okay. a huge adventure just going forward um between that i help do some production stuff for vancouver by night i'm on their changeling game so we're currently on hiatus and recording a bunch of stuff um and i'm also recording a bunch of smaller one shots for other games so as far as gaming stuff i'm completely loaded i just checked my calendar for july it's insane yeah, yeah. um about to go on vacation starting tomorrow night up to lake george for five days so very excited to bring the family up there nice. uh i have a son who is three and it'll be his first time not only like just being able to fully experience uh fourth of july but just having him up over there on the lake seeing the fireworks for the mm-hmm. first time that's my big crescendo for the weekend yeah it sounds very cool um the nerdy stuff uh as far as tv and movies go i'm trying to get my wife to catch up for a marvel show so mm-hmm. we're going over everything again as far as she just finished wandavision we're in the middle of loki so i'm doing everything yeah. for her in order um so catching her up there's a lot yes (laughs) and as far as extracurricular stuff uh i have a brother named steven who i'm in southeastern 
New York. Um, he's attempting to become a professional wrestler. Oh, nice. So he actually has a show that's up in Connecticut tonight. So I was doing some promo stuff off my t- Twitter to push him. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I absolutely know that feeling. Uh, and then uh, for all the channels you're you're launching or have, just let me know. I'll put links in all the show notes oh, yeah. to make it easy for the YouTube and for the audio only version. Make it easy for people to get to. So this one that you're starting, the one that's going to be launched after Gen Con, is it going yes. to be a specific system like D and D or something else, or is it going to be like variety? Is it going to do actual- a little bit of everything? Okay. Uh, but our primary thing is stuff for World of Darkness because uh, that's what pretty much brought the majority of us together cool. uh but there's definitely going to be other stuff we're going to have monster hearts we're going to have um all different time eras of vampire the masquerade i am getting ready tonight to record a one shot for Morkborg. Mm-hmm. um i'm extremely excited about i love osr stuff um 7c uh what else uh all different types of stuff uh D&D 5th edition, you name it, uh, people have been coming up with tons of ideas uh, for smaller stuff. We have someone who wants to run from Onyx Path. Uh, they came from beyond a grave. Okay. Um, so all different types of genres, all different types of outlets. All right. Very cool. Yeah, we've been mentioning we have a new show we launched pretty recently called The Sample Adventures. It's just basically any game we can find or even even any source book for a game that has a sample adventure included. We're trying to put it on the list. And I think we've done three now. And we have two more scheduled and we have like 40 more on the list we're going to get to. So uh, as much as I love D&D, I still say it's my favorite RPG. Um, I don't really play it as much as I do most of the other ones. I just, but I'm hitting like one, I'm, I'm really into one shots. I've actually, I think I enjoy one shots more than campaigns at this point. Uh, Cause at least th- those don't die. I mean, sometimes they don't happen, but I don't, I don't have a campaign that dies on the vine again and again and again, like I have done with D and D over my whole uh, career, sadly. All right. Well, we're going to move into the next section here. And this is our first improv game and it is uh, 10 things. So in this game, we basically will take turns prompting one another to come up with a list of 10 things that fit the prompt. The idea of the game is immediacy is more important than accuracy. So coming up with a list quickly is better than coming up with a list that actually makes any sense. Uh, So, Mike, you are the guest tonight. So would you like to go first in terms of receiving a prompt or go first in prompting Chris or I your choice? I'll receive. Okay. Um. So, all right. So you, you're starting a new channel. You're going to be playing a lot of different games. Uh, give me 10 RPGs that you hope to play on your channel in its first year. 10 RPGs, Paranoia, Gamma World, uh, Palladium Rifts, Three. Uh, any, any setting for fate, Four. Fiasco, Five. Um, Mortborg, Six. Six. Um, Changeling to Dreaming, Seven. Werewolf the Apocalypse, Vampire the Masquerade, Wraith the Oblivion. Ten. That, in fact, was a list of ten things. All right, so you will then prompt Chris. Uh, Chris, I would Mm -hmm. like you to give me ten of your favorite classes for our favorite D20 fantasy game. Okay, Uh, favorite classes. Uh, Fighter. One. Wizard. Two. Naked Bard. Three. Cloth Bard. Four. Uh, cleric. Five. Uh, druid Riding a Tiger. Six. Uh, druid Riding a Michael. Seven. Uh, let's go with Sorcerer. Eight. 
Uh, let's go with Paladin. Nine. And we'll go with the Blackguard. Ten. Woo. That was, in fact, a list of ten things. All right, sir. Let's finish this loop. And what is my prompt? All right. Uh, I'm inspired by Mike's background. Uh-huh. So give me uh, ten things you want in your castle. Running water. One. Plumbing. Two. A game room that's actually a miniature castle inside of the castle, and we go inside of that castle, and there's a room. Three. Secret passages. Four. A map to tell me where all the secret passages are. Five. Ghosts. Six. Goblins. Seven. Um, dumb waiter, because those are just cool. Eight. Escalator, because I'm lazy. Nine. Giant freaking TV to watch the boys on. Ten. That was, in fact, a list of things. <laughs> all right. Thank you both. Well, my dog's going wild. The family must be home. So we're going to move into what is normally sort of the largest chunk of the show. We call it used books. And the idea here is that one of us is going to talk about a campaign that we either played in or ran and kind of mine it for some lessons learned. Maybe something that went really well that we have carried forth into future games or maybe something that didn't work so well. and We've learned from it and either changed or avoid that particular thing. Mike, you're the guest tonight. Do you have a campaign you can talk about? I do. Um, about eight years ago, when I was really heavy into Pathfinder, uh, first edition, I, uh, ran the Jade Regent, um, adventure path. And if you're not familiar with that, it was set in a combination between a Viking-esque era land that connected to a Antarctic landmass that connected to a, um, far East country. So when I originally started the campaign, it was with a completely different set of people than who ended up ending it. And I think maybe one person stuck around for the entire campaign. Um, I loved it for the fact that it was me, some family members, some really close friends. Every Friday night, we got together uh, a friend of mine's piece of property. He converted an old uh, storage facility into our kind of like interior tavern. We built the bar, had a table, projector screen, whole nine yards cool. way before COVID. So um, the aspects about this game that stood out to me was even though I had a lot of close people in that campaign, losing people and adding people eventually threw it off. And it was very hard to keep a lore straight in it. Sure. Um, if I were to go back in time and do it over again, I probably would have ended it much earlier, but it still produced a bunch of fantastic memories. Um, it was the first campaign I actually fully f- finished from mm. start to finish. Um, some aspects that stuck out about it was I would have the time see earlier stream shows and we're thinking like eight to nine years ago so things that really stuck out to me as far as like influences was the very start of acquisitions incorporated when Mm -hmm. they still had will wheaton Mm -hmm. um and like just aspects of that just stuck in my mind and i took one of their storylines and twisted it just a little bit and i had a session where the party had to go to a frozen tundra of a small huddled town full of tieflings that um harbored an entrance to get into the mountainside to cross through what they call the crown of 
the world safely so they didn't end up freezing to death so in order to get into the mountain passage um they had to stand on a runic circle and they had to express their darkest secret and if it was not something that um sated a deity that activated the circle you could not transverse in so the players started realizing anything they said only the people behind them would actually know what they said so they all started in the middle of it saying oh no no you go first you go first and by the very end of it um a very good friend of mine um lewis martinez um he was the final person and the secret he told was he had a crush on somebody else in the party nice nobody else ever knew about it okay and he ended up teleporting in oh that's quite cool i was my dog was barking so i was trying to mute a little bit that's why i kept looking away and I, I thought my parent, my parents crap. My wife and the kids were home, and usually she goes wild. So my, if you see me doing that, I'm trying to mute myself. So one thing about that, I want to, I want to start with because there's at least two things I find very interesting. Is in all my career, um, you know, I've mentioned how many campaigns I've started and died. The one thing I've never really dealt with is the losing players part because I pretty much had like a group of friends that we would play, and then if they stopped playing, the campaign just died. Like I don't think I've ever had a situation where I kept a campaign going after one or two players stop. Like you might have one that just stops, but you keep going, or the campaign dies and you start over. So I've never actually dealt with that at all. So Chris, have you ever had that experience where you've kept a campaign going, but the players have rotated in or out? No, no, I, uh, I'm crazy. No, no, not at all. It's just, it's it's kind of a unique, uh, again, I'm I'm sure it's not unique, but it's, for me, it's unusual. I I was trying to think more, uh, how many campaigns have I completed and not gotten distracted with something else? Um, I, I, not a ton. We've completed some, but it was always with the same players. Right. It would be, I, I could see the challenge on, okay. I started with group A. Now I've got to explain to group B what all has happened to get them to the point where they yeah. are. Did you did you have them play the same characters or did they all make their own new characters? I didn't have to explain like to everybody at the same time. Like, you know, certain things happen in life. Like either somebody ended up having a kid and had to step away. Hmm. Um, we had um, internal conflicts at times that we just decided this player's energy was just making the entire able negative um i've had the gamut when it came to that campaign um but it it was never a full wipe and then starting over at a different time so you always had at least one or two others who ended up explaining like oh well this is this and it helped that it was an adventure path because everything was already pre-written out so i could plan out when people could come in and it isn't like you were in the middle of a castle and it's like oh so so and so falls in a hole and then this other person falls out of a closet like oh hi how are you you know what i mean so because i've had that with characters you know a character (laughs) dies and you bring in a new character or you have someone who's like i'm just i don't really like the character i created i want to change the character and you get that situation where nobody who started the adventure is at the end of the adventure. They're all new characters, but I've never had that with actually players. It's, 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 again, it's interesting to me just to think about how I would manage that solution. I don't really have anything because I, I don't know. I'll have to think about that one some. Um, so that just, it's, 
what you were just saying, what he was just saying. It could be fun to run a one shot where you have like 20 characters and randomly they fall into a hole and the new one falls out. <laughs> Here's your new character. And you're like, oh, all right. I guess I'm a bard now. Yeah. Oh, bard fell in a hole. Now out of the closet comes, you know, a rogue. Now you have to play a rogue. Yeah. Lots of portable holes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the other element that I was really intrigued by was that sort of um, ceremony, the, the druidic circle or whatever, where so you had to, you know, give a secret uh, because I love those types of elements where you, you truly make the players vulnerable and that, yes. but you have the moment too, where you have to express that. I just think that's a great role-playing opportunity. And, you know, I think it's kind of interesting too, that not everyone got to hear. It was just the person behind and to make it sure I was going to understand, they didn't know that at the time, like the first person who went did not realize oh. that's what would happen. Um, so they I didn't mean, catch it, on until about the yeah, third like, individual. Like, yeah, like halfway oh, through, I'm sure people are like, whoa. well, that's <laughs> like, you know, I heard that. Did you hear that? Um, and so then it becomes like, I don't want to go until that person's gone type of a thing. I just, yeah, I think that is a great thing. And I want to give you credit. I don't know what Adventure Path you ran, if it was in there, but that's a brilliant setup. It's not in there. Again, stole it from Acquisitions Incorporated. Okay. Uh, but I just kind of put a little twist on it. So I guess that's the other thing I would I would go to Chris. Do have you ever done anything or been part of a game where there was an any sort of element even related to that where you know you didn't get through something as you hit it with a sword, but you had to become vulnerable or do something? Like I've had the thing where you have to like cut your hand and drip blood in the thing, you know, the blood sacrifice. I think everyone's done that, but just to to reveal a secret is actually a really awesome idea. Do you have any experience with something similar to that? Uh huh. Yeah, we used to run a lot of games where when you made your character you had to come up with some secret element of the character and hand that to the GM. And then we would roll that into the story somehow. And, and that was a lot of fun. More specific, like that ritual. Uh, I remember playing a game years ago where we were all a little bit lower level, got dropped in with a dragon, had a really intense role-playing scene where we were talking to the dragon and we all had to basically convince him of what our hearts were and show him that we were pure. Otherwise, he was going to eat us. Mm. So that was kind of neat to, to role play through that. And, you know, basically you had to take a character that was, my character was, you know, the lack of a better term, your, your stereotypic high school quarterback, you know, couldn't let go of it. Very cocky. He had to be very humbled in that moment, realizing he can't just kick the door open and beat up the dragon. Mm. So that was kind of a neat scene because it made him more vulnerable and realized he's got weaknesses which he then became the guy that at every door was like, hold on, listen, there could be a dragon behind the door. Let's make sure. A little overcompensation there. Yeah. So I enjoy those type of games, but I like that kind of role playing. You know, I know it's not everybody's thing. You know, again, that's where you have to go back and make sure everybody's cool with it. Right. The secrets, I, I have fun with playing around with secrets. Um, I run a, a couple one shots where right off the bat, I slide little pieces of paper to people to, build relationships with the characters and build some backstory, but not everybody knows what that is mm-hmm. until it's flushed out in the game. I, I enjoy that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that's the type of stuff? thing that like, as much as I just mentioned earlier, I like playing one shots. I don't think that would be as effective in a one shot because like my character might be vulnerable, but the player not wouldn't necessarily this. I think that works better for a campaign where we play together for a while. We have some history and maybe in my head, I have built up these relationships. I just think it would be more effective. So you're the one that actually had a chance to do this. So looking back on it, 
if you wanted to do something similar, say it's different players, so they have no idea what's going on, would you do it any differently? Is there any advice you would give to someone who wants to do something similar? Um, I would definitely take from Chris's example, depending on the type of system that you're going to be playing, because in a session zero, that is the time to get that type of info to your storyteller. And um, if it's going to be something fantasy, like the paper handing and then weaving it into the story is perfect. Um, from my own personal expertise, if it's something like Vampire the Masquerade, you tie that into touchstones and then you interweave those into the character's history. So you have interconnecting ends that go between characters, like say... Um, if I am, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Vampire. I know uh, of it. I've never played it. Okay. Oh, yeah. So there's several clans that belong to several sects. Um, and in Vampire 5th edition specifically, they pulled from other versions that you can have what's called a touchstone, which is the thing that keeps you at bay from the beast um, eventually taking over you. So it's that eternal struggle of balancing humanity and, and hunger so mm-hmm. touchstones are the things that keep you grounded and humane um if anything happens to your touchstone uh that becomes your focus like say if it's a extended family member a loved one a child and it doesn't have to be somebody you love it could be somebody you hate it's someone that keeps you focused on humanity and part of humanity is all of the emotions that tie into that so going off of the previous question, having um, someone in your life uh, tied into the story and then a connecting player that says, oh, I used to go out with that person. And then you find out, oh, they know my weakness. So now you have to go after them to find out what theirs is hmm. to cover your butt in right. case stuff right. goes south. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. So I can foresee a situation where, let's say, someone either just doesn't feel like being vulnerable or they really just can't come up with anything that they think would be fun or interesting. Was there a way for someone to lie and like just make up a secret that wasn't true? Or like, was there any sort of mechanical element where someone with a high bluff could bluff the circle and say, you know, I'm in love with so-and-so when that wasn't true, or did they actually have to say a true secret? Because who's the arbitrator? Is it the DM or is it the being in the game who's actually You'd have to think it was the storyteller because I didn't require a role, but everyone that added in their secrets, it got tied into the campaign. Mm -hmm. So um, even if it was fake, um, it's still in the storyline. Okay. So if it came out being fake afterwards, which none of them did, but say if it did, um, the lovely job of a storyteller to be able to improv, you know? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I do like that. I'm glad that you included that element. Like, I, I would want to think that my players or myself would be able to come up with something or have something, but it just, you know, it's the thing where, like, what if someone doesn't want to, I don't want them to not be able to play. So I think there should be a way to cheat the system, but then that still is part of the story. It's not a get out of jail free card. It's a, okay, but this is still going to change the story because of what you said. And if it's not true, that actually might be worse for you than being vulnerable. So I like both elements of that a lot. Absolutely. So anything else uh, for, from you, Chris on this, any other inspirations or thoughts you have about it? 
nothing that jumps out. I, I, you know, I really love using those secrets. That's, like I said, one thing we used to use in almost every game. So I, I really encourage people to use that. It does challenge your GM a little bit because they have to figure out a way to kind of weave that in. But it doesn't have to be within the first game. It could mm-hmm. be 20, 30 games down the road. Who knows? Uh, it also does, it can also help your GM because it can give them a, a kind of a hook for them to go with their creativity and some way to drive the story to help the GM. So try to yeah. use them. I saw something on, I think it was on Twitter or Facebook. There's probably both at some point, And I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was. So I'm not going to give credit. I'm sorry. It's not mine, but someone else came up with it and I'm probably even going to misstate it. So probably still going to make a bastardized version, but someone was recommending that when you create your character, you write down two rumors about your character that are false and then one secret about your character that's true. And you give that to your GM and the GM distributes those to the other characters. So somebody's going to learn something about you hmm. that is a rumor and some people will learn things that are true, but they don't know which is which. And so that you have these inter sort of interconnected that like, I've heard that, you know, this person killed, you know, the mayor of this town and he's on the run and that may or may not be true, but they, they believe it to be true starting the story. And I do like that a lot other than most of the games I run. Um, you start off knowing each other. So it really doesn't work that well. Like if you're all, you know, you're all, it's like stranger things. You're all adolescents in the same town. You can't really come up with too many rumors that they're I know that's not true. I, I was in the home room with you. That didn't happen. But if you're doing maybe a higher level to start, or you're doing a one shot where you got disparate characters, I think that could be a lot of fun mm-hmm. or something similar to that. So, all right. Uh, so we'll move on. So we've got a couple people watching. No one's chatting right now. It's totally fine. If you're just lurking or just checking out the channel, totally cool as always. But we do like it when people are, are here to chat with us. It makes the show more interesting, I think. Uh, but we're going to move into our next um, improv game. And this is Where Have My Fingers Been? And this is an improv game where we'll once again take turns prompting each other. This time we will prompt a short scene that involves two or more finger puppets. Uh, and then you will kind of improv a little scene. Try to have a beginning, middle, and end. I usually leave at least one of those out because I think it's funny. Uh, Mike, you again are the guest. Would you like to receive a prompt first and do the pantomime, or would you like to prompt one of us first to see how this works terribly? I'm sure you'll probably tell that I'm a line of, I'm a fan of whose line is it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like to be prompted in order to, you know, get my juices going, get challenged. All the good Fair, stuff. Yeah. So the only requirement, though, is you have to sing the song. And just to remind you, in case you are not familiar, the song is Where Have My Fingers Been? I said, Where Have My Fingers Been? So you sing the song, and then we can prompt you. All right. Where have my fingers been? Where have my fingers been? Your fingers are the last two people about to go into the circle and have to reveal a secret, <gasps> and neither one of them wants to go first. What made you think that this was going to be a good idea? Well, we didn't have any money. We didn't have a roof over our head. And now we don't have a choice because there's something on the other side of that door and we have to get out of this room. You dragged me out into this. I didn't have to be here. You're right. You didn't have to be here, but you chose to follow me. And they both turn. They look at the circle. They look at each other. 
and steps onto the circle and says, I never thought that mom would have picked you over me. Rough. Ouch. <laughs> I think that one went dark. Yeah, that was dark. I liked it though. Good I job. Love horror genre, so. I'm with you. All right. So welcome to, to the show. <laughs> to keep the circle going, you will prompt Chris. So, Chris, you must sing the song. All right. Uh, where have my fingers been? Said, where have my fingers been? Manchurian candidate esque type of scene. One is a person about to step onto a podium to give a speech. The other one is someone about to tell them the city's about to explode. Hmm. All right. All right. I'm ready. I got my speech ready. It's going to be great. I can do this. I'm the best. Nobody knows. Um, you know that thing in your pocket? Yeah, yeah. You gave it to me. Yeah. You know the thing that's, uh, you know, it's really vibrating? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm close to exploding. I can do it. Uh, ah. And that's where my fingers have been. Yay! Yay. All right. So let's wrap this terrible experiment up. All right. So <laughs> where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Uh, two people uh, discovering a dumb waiter for the first time. Okay. This, this house is really interesting. I know. I, I love these old Victorian style houses. I just, I mean, we know we're not going to buy this, but we will stop at the open house. Of course, we don't have enough money for this in this economy. Are you crazy? But this is walk around and there's like a creepy basement. There's a ghost. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, there's an escalator in this house. This is amazing. There's even a little Victorian house inside this Victorian house. And inside that house is a game room. That is so cool. But you know the coolest thing ever? We're not going to do it in public again, are we? No, not that, you jerk. No, this dumbwaiter thing. See, you open up the thing, and then it can go up or down. I want to get in. Me too. And that's where my fingers have been. Yay. (laughs) All right. Uh, so we'll move on to what is more or less the last part of the show. We do a little Q&A if there's uh, anybody paying attention or list watching at the end. Uh, but the next and next last thing is our cryptozoology section. And this is where we take a look at a monster, usually D&D related, but not always. And we discuss ways that we have maybe used this creature in the past, um, brainstorm some new ways we could use it in the future. Uh, Mike, once again, you're the guest. What monster have you brought for us to discuss tonight? I brought something that apparently you two have never even heard of before, or if you have, have heard very little of. I've certainly uh, never called... used it before. <laughs> uh, Panothic. And for those of you who are not familiar, Panothic is a creature that you would normally find in the Underdark that is hunched over, um, is at times spotted and scaled over, but has a giant eye in the center of its forehead feel free to google it n-o-t-h-i-c uh with claws um yes that's exactly what it is page Uh, 236 of the fifth edition monster manual if anyone wants to play play along uh spikes sticking out of its back and it can kind of be compared to Gollum, uh but it has much darker origins so 
it had a premise in almost every version of D&D, but didn't start to become more prolific until the split um, that caused 3.5 and 3.75, and you find it in separate manuals, um, listed as a result of a curse befalling wizards who delve too deep into arcane knowledge. Um, this has been adjusted depending on the version of the game you play, or if you transverse it between OSR, Pathfinder, or D&D. I've heard versions of, it, of people that attempted to become a lich, and mm. things went completely wrong, and they ended up turning into this. I heard of it as multiple types of curses, but most recently, it would be most familiar to people who are fans of Stranger Things, tied into the cult of Vecna. And these are its servants, um normally when you encounter a nothic um it can come on in several forms uh when they speak it's telepathic so when you're in a castle or in a dungeon um you normally get first called out to it by a distant voice that at first you think you hear so you're attempting to follow the voice to see where it's coming from and in that conversation, it starts off as what you think is friendly and then turns kind of creepy. And when you finally confront it, it then turns into two different types of combat. You have physical combat if you choose to um, interplay with that, or they have a social combat, which it can get very creepy because it has abilities that can read your mind. And just coincidentally from the earlier topic, it likes to delve into secrets. It tries to delve into your mind secrets to figure out if A, you have any arcane energy in you, or if you have any arcane items on you, and B, how to kill you to get said items. It loves to target wizards, warlocks, witches, anything that has any type of magical energy but it loves arcane so again i have never used this creature that i'm aware of i may have used it like you know 25 years ago when i first started playing and just used it as something that a bag of hit points i certainly have never used it in the method it was designed for um we kind of talked before but chris have you ever used or encountered these type of creatures never heard of it till tonight okay I thought, like, my first thought when you said the name, and I looked it up, is I thought this was like a Planescape or a Spelljammer creature, but I don't know if that's necessarily true. It doesn't seem like it is, since it's somewhat connected to Vecna. Um, So I don't have any experience using them. I don't have any anecdotal uh, experiences I can share. But the first thing that I thought of when you were talking about it, I was kind of reading over, is I love the idea that that these are repositories for secrets, much like maybe a hidden book would be. And so the object of the the campaign mission, you know, the, the, the mission, not the whole campaign, is you have to find one of these and get that secret from it. Um, now, at least in the fifth edition, it has a power called Weird Insight. And this is sort of that telepathic combat you were talking about, where it basically sees a creature, creature sees it, they engage in telepathic combat. It's a saving throw. If the, the Nothic wins, then they get to pull like a secret from your mind. And if you win, you just don't. I would change that, that if you win, or if you win maybe like by five, you get to pluck a secret out. And so that would Absolutely. be the, the, the goal is to get in there and to get something out of it that it has that you need. But I would also twist it that if it pulls a secret out, you lose it. So like I would actually forget 
what it stole from me. So you could still get what you were after, but you may lose something in, in return. Like it may not happen the very first time you see it. And so that might become part of the, the ongoing adventures is I can't remember my friend, my family. I have lost, like maybe you, you could tie it to mechanics. You, you have lost a proficiency bonus because you no longer how to use the sword that you walk in here with or something. I think that could be a very cool and interesting element to the story that you could then build on and maybe circle back to. Um, I would also probably tie it in that maybe if you're able to kill the Nothic, that you get those memories back by default, but I would probably make it where it could, it would, it's not the type of thing that's going to stand there and fight you. So that's going to be the challenge is tracking it down and cornering it in addition to just trying to get the secret out of it. Cause if you kill it, the secrets go back to who they came from, not you so that you couldn't just kill it to get the thing you're after, but you could use, you can kill it to get back what it stole from you type of a thing. Interesting. So any so, thoughts, Chris, on what you might use this for in the future? See, I kind of plan on the same thought line you had, but my thought was a little different direction where if you kill it, all the secrets it's learned are released and you learn them. Mm -hmm. But since you've been flooded with all these secrets, your brain's kind of struggling with them. So it could be fun where you all of a sudden meet the next, you know, another NPC. And all of a sudden there's a, almost a voice in the back of your head. That's like, you know, Oh, Michael, he's from Kentucky. Woohoo type you know whatever yeah. secret it would be you know and then all of a sudden the player has to go oh no i know this about this person what am i going to do with it mm -hmm. and that could be really fun if they're playing a paladin because a paladin would then be kind of tempted to use that information but is it really good is it even true is it yeah i mean yeah. I, I think that could be a fun role-playing thing um, especially if you really like players that like to be pushed to that direction mm-hmm that was my first thought. I, I like the secret thing too, yeah. where they steal secrets. Uh, I could see using one where the Nothic is basically running around in the sewers and he just steals the the secrets out of people as they walk by. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're using it to blackmail things and people and they're secretly running the city from the sewers. You know, almost like a uh, Nosferatu type in uh, vampire. I mean, you yeah, get almost like a neat. one of those, like I'm blanking right now, but it's something in media where um, there's a group that goes around collecting secrets and then they use those secrets to bribe people. You know, it could be like a sex worker thing or just like, you know, mm -hmm. someone eavesdropping in like church confessionals. But it's like I said, they're stealing secrets from people just walking by and then they're they're giving them to someone else and that someone else is then coming around and. Like, I know what you did, and if you don't pay me this money, so you have like a whole network of spies, basically, that are either Nothics in disguise or being ran by one or, or in some way connected to them. Um, so like the Illuminati. Yeah. So, Mike, so you probably have obviously more experience. Is there any, like, in, in particular uses of these that you have enjoyed or maybe a way you've thought about using them that you've not yet been able to do that you're looking forward to? The best way I have loved using these characters is obviously this isn't the type of character unless you have a very low level campaign that you want as an ending adversary mm -hmm. um i like to use them in aspects that if you have a party that has people that have interpersonal relationships that have certain types of conflicts um say for example you have a paladin and a rogue and the stereotypical paladin is always harping on the rogue like you need to be on the straight and narrow and do this that and the other thing and da 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 and feed by sample puffs out of his chest and you encounter 
Panothic, and he finds out something about the paladin that the rest of the party did not know, and he says it out loud. And it could be a complete page turner mm-hmm. for how the rest of the party treats the paladin going forward. If or if not, they end up reasoning with it, killing it, capturing it. The Nothic is completely out of the picture now. However, they know what it drew out of the paladin is true. Mm-hmm. So now the party has to go forward knowing that piece of information and how their relationships develop just based off of that. So mm-hmm. it's something that they go into, they weren't expecting and have to adapt and overcome. So in that case, not like it really isn't even, it's inconsequential. It's not something we have to worry about, but the fact that it was present for a short period of time changes the dynamics of the party and their relationship. Yes. So it's just like basically like throwing a little chaos bomb in the middle of a party yeah. to see what happens. Yeah. Imagine how excited the player is. It's the rogue. <laughs> Welcome Ooh, to my the table side. Turned. Yes, yeah. I, I do think in that case it might. I mean, I, I, it would be fun any different way you could do it. But I, I think I would lean towards only the rogue hears it, and so now the rogue has this leverage over the paladin to see you how they, too. you know. So like, so then it becomes I will tell everybody else. Well, they won't believe you. Yes, they. Yes, they will. I can prove it now because I know. You know, and then how long does the paladin let the rogue sort of like wear down their morals until they? They can't, or maybe they just succumb and like they they almost lose their paladinship because they're so afraid of the secret being released that they let the rogue mm-hmm. do things or help the rogue. Like I yeah. could have a lot of fun with seeing how oh, that would go sure. if the players were into it. You know, I'd always want to make sure everybody's okay that this is mm-hmm. what's going to happen. But uh, if the, the right players, that could be juicy. Okay. The joy of consent sheets. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you get everything out right in the beginning. Yep, that'd be so much fun if you're playing the rogue. Hey. We need a little spending cash. <laughs> and the Palin's like, you shouldn't. Uh, who should? Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. You go eat your meal over there and be quiet. Mm. Yeah. You're going to yeah. buy me the super size meal. Yeah. That could be very, yeah. very cool. I like that a lot. Uh, so usually we'll throw it out to the audience again. We, we um, Mumfrey actually has jumped in 999. He's uh, hanging out with us for a little bit. That's uh, Larry. He's one of the co-hosts and one of the other shows, part of the faculty here. So thanks for checking in. Uh, if anyone else is watching, if you have had any experience with these creatures or anyone listening in the future, please let us know. I'd love to hear some great stories of how you have used this creature or some brainstorms of how you think you might use them in the future. If you take any of the ideas that we threw out and use them and it works well or terrible, love to hear that as well. Uh, feel free to you know, email the show, the RPG Academy at gmail.com. Let us know. Uh, suggest future monsters you would let want us to talk about. Occasionally, Chris and I jump on here and we don't have a co-host. So if you suggest something, maybe we'll bring that up and talk about it when we don't have a guest in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that, we're going to move into the, the last, last section. And this is the audience Q&A. So anyone who is listening, if you have any questions for any of us, uh, please let us know. Anything's on the table, but if it's a personal question, we reserve the right to not answer it. Uh, but so it makes, makes more sense of their RPG questions. But I know there's a little bit of a delay. So while we're waiting for any questions that might pop in, we're going around the horn. Everybody kind of give your socials and we can once again plug things. Uh, so, Chris, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, easiest place is Twitter. Uh, Burlu underscore Chris. Uh, and I am still on the Redemption podcast. A little break for the summer, and then we're going to wrap up our final season after the summer. All so right. Very, very the cool. GM on that show. Yeah. So, do you have any idea when the actual last episodes are going to happen? Not a clue. Haven't recorded them yet. Haven't even gotten together in a couple months. So, okay. Sometime 
next year probably. <laughs> All right. Well, when it happens, it happens. All right. And so, Mike, again, while we're waiting for any questions that might pop in, where can people find you? Where can they find the stuff you're working on? All that kind of good stuff. Ah, uh, um. All the socials you can find me at Venture thirteen ninety nine um, for my primary stuff. As of beginning of August, you can find me at the same night at two different locations Tuesdays. Um, first at Vancouver by Nights Changeling the Dreaming twentieth anniversary edition chronicle called Toronto by Day Tales from. The Rookery, it will be our season three premiere right now. We're on a hiatus. Um, the storyteller for that named Cliff Goodman is recording a couple of one shots. So he's putting t- together material to put out later on this year. Also, it's the channel that I'll be starting with a fine cast of individuals. Lanyap Gaming. Um, it will be a variety of all different types of games. And that will be starting the Tuesday right after Gen Con. Um, one other spot you can find me at for my other love besides horror is superheroes. Oh, nice. uh, for Prowlers and Paragons, uh, I will be starting a campaign when I come back from vacation um, on Restless Barbarian Gaming. Um, that will be July 9th. Okay. So stay tuned for that. All right. Very cool. And again, there'll be links in the show notes to make it easy for people Absolutely. to find these and follow up. Uh, you can find me, of course, at the RPG Academy on Twitter. That's where I'm most active other than our Discord. I've said it many times, Discord is my favorite corner of the internet. I absolutely love our Discord. It's still small. We've had a few people coming in, but it's still small. We're just people who like each other and we share stuff, talk about our, our pets and our families, and we complain about stuff and we talk about the stuff we love. So if you have any interest at all, please consider joining. It is closed, so you have to ask for the invite. We'll let anyone in, but you have to ask because when we first launched it, we just made it an open community and a bunch of morons jumped in there and we had to ban a bunch of people. So it just works better if you have to ask for the invite. Um, I think that's about it. So um, we don't have any questions, but we always have one that we ask everybody. So give a chance again, if anyone's watching that wants to ask a question. So Michael, you are being turned into an action figure and they put your packaging together and they ask you, what are the three accessories that should come with the Michael Walsh action figure? What are those, what are those three accessories in the package? Well, first I'll tell you, it has to be the 12 to 14 inch rubber professional wrestlers from the 1980s that you can't possibly pose. <laughs> um, so it's got to be one of those. Okay. Um, you'd find me with a steel chair, a oh, luchador nice. mask, and what very few people actually think about on that type of packaging, it normally had them set up where half of the back of the packaging seemed like a steel guardrail. Mm-hmm. If you take the packaging and fold it in half, that's how kids used to play with them. Oh, so okay. it turned into the guardrail. <laughs> Nice. So yes, it already came with it. Wow, but look yes, at that. You, mind blown. All right, well, thank you so for much for hanging out. I had a great time getting to know you. Best of luck on all your endeavors and you know the podcast or the, the streaming launch. I hope it goes really well. Have a great vacation with the family and camping. That sounds super awesome. Um, are you going to Gen Con? I think you said someone was going to be there uh, promoting the show. But are you I am going? not. Okay. Um, but two of the individuals that are helping run that channel are okay. Sarah and James from the blank bodies podcast. Um, they 
will have a booth over there. They will be passing out merch. They will be answering questions. They're all about the horror genre in general, but love World of Darkness, Vampire the Masquerade, Vampire the Requiem, all things all with vampires. So, <laughs> all, all the vampire stuff. Um, so, so yeah, two extremely outgoing, friendly individuals. Um, if you see them, tell them I sent you, and they will turn running. So yes. Fantastic. <laughs> so right now, I plan on being much. at Gen Con. Having me on. Of course, absolutely. I have to have you. Welcome back anytime. Uh, Chris, any final words before we sign off? I love the fact that they like horror. Mm-hmm. That's my thing too right now. So that's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Right. Need more. I'll have um, to hook you up with a couple of individuals. Yeah. Okay. Let me know. Get some one yeah. shots going. Uh, so just as a reminder, again, role playing games are supposed to be fun. If you find that you're not quite having the fun that you're used to having, could be an indication that you might be dealing with a mental health um, challenge. So we always put in our show notes going forward. There's going to be links to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, the Crisis Text Line, and then the Trevor Project website. So if you or someone you know needs some help, please reach out to professionals who are able to help you. You are important. We want to keep you around. So we're just trying to make these resources available to you. And then, of course, of course, if you're having fun. You're doing it right. That is correct. So thanks, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.